the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 175. Onward, I ship legs. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers. Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. I'm your host, Mason Smith, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, Morgan Stradling. Hello. And Chelsea Robson. I'm here. Yay. That's right, folks. We are all here. The gang is back together. We are in it for the long run. Morgan pulled us out of retirement. Boys are back in town. (laughs) I got an itch, guys. I got an itch. It was an animation itch. My addiction was coming back. All the addiction. She relapsed. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't couldn't help myself. And so I said, I can't do this alone. You know, if you're going to do it. That's right. We have to all throw ourselves back into this addiction. Oh great. New people are like, okay, we're out of here. Anyway. So if you if you've if you still stuck around after that, we are the Animation Addicts, and this show is about our love for animation, where we basically geek out and talk about what we love about these animated films and about the medium as a whole. And uh, today we are we will be discussing the new Pixar film new Disney Pixar film onward. And we'll be discussing what we what we loved about it and uh, hopefully get a good discussion going. Spoilers, y'all. So this is spoiler territory. Please don't expect to not be spoiled. So go out and see the film. Definitely watch the film before this. But you could you could listen to the episode before you. I don't know. That'd be weird. We really appreciate not fast forwarding through our ads. This is going to be kind of a newer format where we're uh, going to have advertisements. And so I, I promise they'll be cool. And, and please listen to them. <laughs> They keep the podcast going. It, it helps support us and helps it, it helps make this show possible. Yeah, let's do some housekeeping real quick for newer listeners, for the older listeners. So our show has been going since 2012. So we started, we were three friends hanging out. We call it our proverbial comfy couch. And we talk about animated films. And so we had a bit of a hiatus for about a year and a half, two. Depends on how you analyze it. Depends on who you're talking to. <laughs> And podcasting has really changed over those past few years. When we first started, I didn't think podcasting was really new and up and coming. I'd been listening to podcasts since around 2005, but podcasting has totally changed. And I think we did mention this in our Frozen episode, but we are back and we really appreciate you. We appreciate you listening to the ads. You know, we'll be getting sponsors on the show. And of course, with we'll be bringing back our Patreon. And so if you have been really, really also having that animation itch, especially that animation addicts itch, we would love it if you would consider becoming a patron because that's really one of the ways to keep this show going and so we're always in your earbuds be sure to go to rotoscopers.com patron where you can find out how to become a patron and all the amazing goodies that you get there what's an old-timey old-fashioned way to say on to the show oh for onward shifted in O for onward long ago the world was full of magic over time magic faded away but i hope there's a little magic left in you. It's from your dad. This brings him back. Dad? Ah, he's just legs! We've only got 24 hours to bring the rest of him back. Put it in O for onward! Get him! Whatever it takes, I am going to meet my dad. Disney and Pixar's Onward. Read PG. Yeah, let's get this discussion going. So Pixar's Onward. So first, we have to stop everything because we have to do Mason's theater report. Which is apparently not optional. I gave no, y'all the option is, to this is make it optional. I don't know if it just annoys y'all. This is the part where I mostly gripe about my theater experience, and I very seldom, very seldom commend the people who behave well. This Mason Theater report is brought to you by kid who was asking questions the whole time because their parents thought it would be a good idea to bring a four-year-old to a a to a movie theater for one. Uh, <laughs> I I think Pixar, Disney Pixar's Onward is probably not a good movie to bring a four-year-old to, but you can either look this stuff up beforehand or you could not. Also brought to you by the dude who answers every hypothetical question posed in the film <laughs> out loud. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all know that guy. He's been around. Where someone asks a question like, how bad can it be? And he'll be like, really bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> Did he look around to see if other people were listening to him? <laughs> no. So uh, thanks to Cinemark and their amazing uh, loungers, this podcast is not brought to you by Cinemark, but (laughs) I'd be open to it. Uh, They're amazing luxury loungers, which you have to book in advance. Um, I had the entire back row to myself. And I just had this menagerie of poor, unfortunate souls to to observe while I was trying to watch my film and enjoy my film. 
So yeah, dude who answers every hypothetical question posed in the film out loud was definitely there. He was he was answering every hypothetical question, and uh, it was really annoying. So please don't do that. Um, I'm calling you out for a challenge. And if you want to debate, uh, then I, I welcome you onto the show to <laughs> debate whether you should exist or not. Anyway, trailers that I thought were pretty notable. Uh, so Despicable Me, like a half. The Despicable prequel. Me point five. Like I came in right in the middle of it. So is it Minions two or is it Despicable Me point five? Oh, that's true. Because it's it's little Gru and he's trying to be a villain and so the minions are helping him out so that was that was okay i really like the kind of um kind of madcap animation and kind of situational comedy of the minions films not everyone does but i kind of like him and then i got to take another look at the soul trailer again which is the pixar film that i'm actually excited for <laughs> i was not very excited about onward but that changed <laughs> But please, please, let's just not let this be another Inside Out. Like, Inside Out was great, but we don't need another cartoonish embodiment of abstract metaphysical phenomena <laughs> film please, no. from from them. No, I love the world building for the, the real world stuff. Like, I'm assuming it's New York City. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it is. Okay, so it's New York City. And just like the mood and the atmosphere and the music and stuff, like it was different. And it looked like it would have more of a mature beat to it. And then we got the cowboy dance <laughs> gag at the end, and um, it, it was kind of a letdown. But you know what? I, I have faith that they'll pull off something really cool, so I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And to end my uh, theater report, there was hardly anyone there at noon on a Friday right before uh, spring break happened. That's probably a good time if you want some peace and quiet. It, just watch out for the the, ro the rogues gallery <laughs> that I, I always seem to run into when I want to watch a film by myself. So that was Mason's theater report. Dun, 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 dun. I liked awesome. it. So when I came in, I was actually late for our screening. Oh, no. And I was like five minutes Cardinal late. Cardinal yeah. And so when I walked in, I was like, I was the person like, Morgan, what's going on? <laughs> and she's just like, um, well, there used to be magic. Now there's not. Now this guy is, it's his birthday. That's about it. I'm like, that sounds oh, so. Okay. That sounds like Morgan. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be that person talking. I mean, I didn't want to be Quinn who, Quinn who was asking questions the whole time. Chelsea, <laughs> just kidding. No, she was just she was just a lady that was asking questions at the beginning to get caught up. Yes, I am that person. So let me just give you some basic information. I think Mason has already handled this, but we do this at the beginning of all. We set the stage so you understand what this film is all about. This one is brought to us by Disney Pixar. Director Dan Scanlon, who you might know from directing Monsters University. The release date, March 6, 2020. Budget, don't know. Box office, bit too early to tell. It did about $12 million in uh, Friday showings. So we shall see. We shall see. We talked a little bit about Onward before in our Frozen episode and our Frozen 2 episode, I should say. And Mason kind of said, uh, it kind of feels like a DreamWorks film. No, you're right. My opinion has changed, but it, in some ways it hasn't. That's a fair assessment. I feel like the the looking at it first, going into it, I was feeling like this was going to be a, a DreamWorks type film. Yeah, there was actually a lot of buzz on the internet. Like, why doesn't this feel like Pixar? You because know, and, and it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> And Trust that was your actually feelings. something that was kind of concerning to a lot of people going in. But it's, it's interesting because the film had a really intriguing premise, which mm. I think a lot of Pixar, that's the kind of the main thing that Pixar does. Like, what if cars could talk and they had their own world? Or what if toys came to life, right? But this one was, what if magic, there, it was a magical world, magic died away because technology took over. And the magical creatures were all still there, but they just didn't use magic anymore. And so for that like initial premise, I'm like, ooh, that's super cool because you have these magical elements that are in a modern world. But for me, we'll talk about more. It just didn't quite fit all together. All the pieces in the world building didn't pay off. Oh, interesting. Mm hmm. So I'll give a synopsis of this film. So basically the Renaissance Festival never died. <laughs> Very good. But the magic did. <laughs> People lost faith in the mystic arts or maybe they just lost faith in themselves. Ooh. There's a small group of like, I guess, quote unquote, historian gamer type kids who preserve all this information of the past and all the spells and all of the folklore. But apparently Ian's late father was also really into it. And he bought slash found slash stole, who knows, a magical staff slash killed for <laughs> perhaps I killed a Jedi and took it from him. Who knows? I had to slit it through throats, but I got it. Uh, 
a magical staff with a with a stone that you know to me looks like the stone on Jurassic Park. You know, so and then he designed his own spells, which apparently he was a baller mm. at this whole mystical <laughs> arts thing because he knew he was sick by something. They don't tell us what, which I appreciated. They did not tell us, but he wanted to bring himself back from the dead for like a day when both of his boys were over 16. And then Barley is a believer in the mystic arts, but doesn't have the gift. Ian doesn't know what he believes, but he does have the gift. (laughs) The magical stone breaks in the middle of bringing back the dad, literally because the dad now is only legs. (laughs) So Ian, Barley and legs are off on a journey to find the map from a manticore and bring back summer. I mean, nice. new dinosaur stone from Jurassic Park. Something like that. I don't know. So our main characters. <laughs> I like that she just called him Legs. <laughs> legs, you're with Ducky. His name will be Legs from here on out. Perfect. So Legs. So you got Ian, Barley, Barley's and Ian's mom, Laurel. Oh, my favorite, main man. M A N E, man. <laughs> Officer Colt Bronco, which is like the boyfriend. Oh, and boy, do you see the mane at the end. Oh, yes. And then Manticore and now Legs. <laughs> legs, you're with Ducky. Don't forget Guinevere the Pegasus fan. Oh, that's oh, yeah. right. She was her own character. I think the I think the initial vibe I got from the trailer when I saw it is that man Disney and Pixar films have officially become indistinguishable from each other. Um and then I saw the preview for soul right after that and i was like okay never mind but uh, it's just as soon as i saw this i was like this is a pixar film why this feels like it would fit more in as a disney film but uh they went with it i wonder if if pixar fans maybe feel stylistically about this film the way they did about brave which was very different stylistically Mm -hmm. and so i hope they don't kind of shove it aside as this kind of ugly duckling thing there were a lot of like modern culture references in it which was which I felt was very Shrek 2, but in a less obnoxious way, of course. And so it was it was something that I kind of had to get over. And once I did, I enjoyed the film, especially the ending. I, for me, things kind of fell into place in, in a satisfying and, and very thoughtful, very heartwarming way for me. But I can understand when you say that there was a lot of seemingly disjoint. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in this film that you kind of had to remember and take into account. It wouldn't be a Pixar film without their story being worked over and worked over and worked over until it was quote unquote perfect because that's just what they do. It was a hard sell for me and I'm glad I went and I'm glad I experienced it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me initially when I heard this concept, it reminded me of The Good Dinosaur because ah. I, when I heard about The Good Dinosaur, the way that I guess I interpret it in my mind or maybe initial press releases, I can't remember, was that it was, what if the, you know, meteor that destroyed the earth or, you know, that destroyed the dinosaurs didn't just flew over and, and didn't actually destroy the dinosaurs and the dinosaurs were still around and as I interpreted it, and they were still around today. So I kind of saw it as, wow, modern world, but there's like dinosaurs walking around. And to me, that was a super cool premise and concept. And it didn't really turn out to be that. It was still kind of in ancient Jurassic time period, right? Kind of like a Zootopia type? Right, yeah. It would have. That's what I was hoping it would have been more like. This this one feels more like Zootopia. And then this one, so I, I like, okay, well, they fixed it, and they're going to do it right this time. But the problem that I had <laughs> with a lot of these guys, and I, I swear I'm not going to be like the negative nancy this whole time (laughs) they fixed a dinosaur y'all they did it but it seems like the one of the problems is they had this really cool idea you know and they're just spitballing in the story room and coming with ideas for a movie for this this and that it's like oh magic left the magic world but the magic world is still here today right you know and so then they started going off on all these gags like well we could do this and we could do that it just felt that the world wasn't necessarily complete for example it doesn't make sense that the world discovered technology and then built all these things like they have cars they have expressways they have houses they have telephone poles you know all cell phones they have all the modern conveniences that we have but it it seems like they actually all these characters just got plopped into a version of our world with two moons versus making their own world example why don't they make motorbikes that are pixie sized <laughs> well, oh yeah why not why doesn't officer colt bronco have a car that he can actually fit into oh, instead they just shove a centaur into a normal person car oh, uncomfortable you know like it seems like they made this world for humans or elves essentially and then everyone else is just like a gag like oh see a, ca- a centaur coming out of a car that's hilarious oh who would have ever thought right and that's kind of like the problem that i had because it just didn't feel complete. And I have a lot of these unanswered questions. I'll just sprinkle them throughout like little magic pixie dust. (laughs) We'll play the X-Files theme song while Morgan presents all her unanswered questions. (laughs)
the world was kind of half-baked for me. So I was really excited for this world and it halfway got there. But what did save it and what I loved was the characters. So I say uh, we talk about the different characters. Yes, we have to talk about Ian. Oh, man. So, okay, what else do you expect from Tom Holland? Because seriously, like, first half of the film, I really didn't like this kid. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Like, I really... uh, The Tom Holland fangirls are coming for you. <laughs> oh, they're coming for me. <laughs> You'll never find me. Um, I'm anonymous on social media now. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the first half of the film, I loved Barley, hated Ian. Eventually, I ended up kind of having respect for him at the end. But it, at first, when I was like, man, I think we found a Pixar character who was actually more wimpy than Marlin. <laughs> at least Marlin could assert himself in, in situations. And, and, and he knew when to say no <laughs> and like when to like stand up for himself. But like Ian, just he has no style. He has no grace. This elf has a funny face. I, didn't, I really didn't like him. And his, his unconfidence. I guess I'd say it also didn't make sense because he has no friends so we are led to believe he has to have this party and invite people over you know because he has this list of things like how I'm going to be better I'm going to learn how to drive I'm going to be more like my dad and so he's going to invite friends to his party so he goes to school he gets stepped on literally and then then he invites this random group of kids to his party and they clearly know who he is it's not like he just went up to a random group. It, it seems they are familiar with him and they know who he is. They say, hey, I'm going to have a party. And they go, oh, cool. Awesome. And I'm like, okay, free food. Great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the brother rolls up and it suddenly gets like super, super, duper awkward. So there's obviously an issue that he has with the brother that leads him to be super embarrassed about the brother because he's awkward, but it, it really manifests when Barley's around, which we later see when they're doing that magic with the manticore and trying to d- disguise like Officer Colt Bronco. He does believe his brother's a screw up. And I think we can kind of get the first glimpse of that in that first scene where he's just really ashamed of the brother, which can we transition to him? Barley's super cool. I agree. I think most of the time I just I love the fact that he is voiced by Chris Pratt. Like (laughs) Chris Pratt to me just has like such an endearing way about him. Oh, he's great. And so him going into this as a voice character, like especially as like the older brother type, you can just hear like the the empathy. You can hear the the encouragement and he's just really good at at being that type. And like it's just interesting that it's like, okay, why is he seen as the quote unquote screw up because he's on his quote unquote gap year. I'm using quote unquote quite a bit today, I see. But <laughs> I mean, they just think that he's not doing anything with his life because he's focusing so much on these past things. Like he plays this game all the time so that he can know about the history of the lore and all that. And so that's kind of why people are like, hey, you know, why are you focusing on that kind of stuff? We got electricity now. It's great. Yeah. It's, it seems that he is really into these magical arts, but the world is, for the most part, they've, they've moved on. It's kind of a relic. And we're supposed to believe that since there's this game, there's other people who are into it, but we really are just introduced to him. And it seems like he's the only weirdo nut job. He must be driving around town. He's trying, he's tying himself to old relics creating a ruckus <laughs> i love him he's a historic preservation activist he's great <laughs> they just want to modernize and move on with their world and he is really stuck in the past not to mention he drives around in this sick pegasus man and let's be honest i think one of the reasons that he is the way he is he's probably smoking some magical weed <laughs> that's why he's the screw up he's the stoner kid so to all of these elements together are supposed to equal lame but I loved him. No, he was great. He's his own person. Barley is Barley is the man. And I got to know what Chris Pratt's gym routine is because I just watched him carry the whole film on his back. <laughs> hey! <laughs> okay, besides the Manticore, who is awesome, I really wasn't interested in any of the other characters. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, some of them were just gag characters like the biker gang. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. This is something that comes up in nearly every road trip. I mean, this was kind of a road trip movie, but it was more of a quest, which makes sense. But, Definitely. I mean, you're stopping at the gas station in the middle of nowhere and this is kind of just an abandoned part of town and the biker gang something happens to rile them up cue chase scene you know down (laughs) down the road um and this wasn't even a cool chase scene it was just hey we're gonna 
hop onto the freeway and then swerve and off we go, you know? So, um, it was definitely very much a trope. Yeah. They were simply there to cause a ruckus and what causes a ruckus in society? Apparently biker gangs. <laughs> I've never encountered one of these. They're always fairly pleasant. Yeah. They've always been really respectful. <laughs> but in movies, they are the bad guys. That's true. Yeah. They mean trouble. You don't want to cross them. Here's my problem I had with Barley. I felt like he was the only one who knew what was going on, which left me as the audience feeling like I was just being drug around and not really feeling involved. Okay. It's actually really interesting because a lot of what spurs this is his obsession with magic actually pays off because he knows what to do because of quests of yore. And quests of yore, it seems to be based on reality, but almost too much. It's historically accurate. Ridiculously historically accurate. um, (laughs) Where all you had to do is just go to the places in real life and you could play the game in real life. It's like a real life uh, national treasure, yes. except in a card yes. game. Yeah. And so that's kind of another issue I had. It seems like I believe in this world, there would be more people who would be into this and really into magic because magic's super cool. Like, don't get me wrong. Cell phones, technology and the light bulb are great. But bringing people back from the dead, I don't think technology can do that. So I, I just have a hard time believing that this is something that's so looked down upon. I would have liked to have seen maybe some of Barley's friends or some of these other magic enthusiasts, and maybe they also were trying to go after the gem. It just seemed too easy how it's like, hey, my card game says to go here. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. I know it was based on a Dungeons and Dragons sort of game, and so that's kind of like the point. Like, let's make it like they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. But then, so are you telling me anybody who just goes on this quest, it, it's like they're playing their own independent video game they also will find their own gem or was this the only gem around and no one in the ever in the world had ever found it and they finally conveniently found it you know what i'm saying so these are the things that were literally going on in my mind as i was watching this oh yeah Maybe I'm just too much of a magic nerd or... I mean, do these do these gems just like show, like re-show up every time somebody gets one, which is why the dad had one? Right, right. It seemed like it was super duper rare, but not that much. You can get it within <laughs> right. 24 hours. No big deal. So those are some of the things that I would have liked them to flesh out a little more. It doesn't seem like anyone else has this problem. Sequel. So maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I thought it would have been cool because we we had the ticking time bomb element of the, you know, by the sunset of the next day, you know, your dad goes away. And so that was really pushing the story forward and creating a lot of turmoil between the brothers. (laughs) Before the sun sets on his 16th birthday, (laughs) he shall prick his finger. (laughs) On a splinter of a staff. And die. (laughs) I thought it would have been really cool if there would have been just magic hunters who also were going for the gem and the, right. the yeah. gem itself was kind of a not infinite object or who knows what it was. But, you know, where we would have had to fight these other people, too. Not literally. Because it's such a fantastical like resource. And in some ways it is cooler than electricity. Like you can't use your phone to get you across a bottomless pit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> also, there are bottomless pits in this movie. <laughs> but anyway, that, has, that opens up some metaphysical stuff. But so it sounds really cool. And at the end, uh, sorry, skipping to the end when all is said and done and ian uses magic to save the day it's just like a show and tell thing mm-hmm. he's like yeah so i got this magical stuff and like that's how i used it to like save the day or, like <laughs> yeah. fix a school and they're like oh yeah that's really cool and it's like are you kidding me this is like <laughs> right. this amazing new resource for this society and nobody wants a piece of it all right rewind even <laughs> further so i mean i think we're we're kind of skipping over the whole point of the movie which is hey the dad died well chelsea kind of mentioned it the dad died and left this thing to the two brothers which was this magic staff which that clearly is a big deal right yeah but then wrote a spell that can bring him back from the dead stop back from the dead everyone's okay with this (laughs) and everyone's okay with it (laughs) no one's really like batting an eye he has figured out how to bring people who have died and bring them back you're not telling me that everyone who has a family member or a loved one who has died would then suddenly become so interested in magic that everyone would be searching this out so they could likewise bring someone back for 24 hours. And how did the dad bring this spell? Is this just, he was so good at magic, (laughs) such a wizard, that he was the only person to figure out and write a visitation spell? 
Again, so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> Typically at the end of an animated film, it's like because of all this stuff that happened and all this character growth, the world had world changed because of it. A very obvious reference is like Kung Fu Panda 3, where it's like, we discovered the chi. Now everyone can do Kung Fu really well. And that's how the world changes at by <laughs> yeah, the end of the film. Yeah. But like magic doesn't really like discovering magic again doesn't really change anything. It changes Ian and it changes like their world and their relationship mm-hmm. and make and changes it for the better. But at the end, it's like, okay so like what are we gonna do with this newfound power you know mm-hmm. yeah onward the magic awakens right. <laughs> onward the last wizard like nobody cared though like he's just like show and tell and, yeah and so that's how you did it oh that's like really really cool that you could like summon like highly destructive lightning at will oh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah that's really cool man hey you want you want to hang out afterwards yeah, yeah sure <laughs> want to go get pizza right. yeah at, at onwards equivalent of pizza planet yeah <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I really liked Barley. So they go on this quest. They have to find this. They have to find another gem to put, because Ian, of course, screws everything up and ruins everything. Did he screw it up? Yeah, he did. Or was the power just not? He set he set himself up for a life changing character arc that will change him for the better. But he doesn't. He didn't know that yet. Don't look into it too much, okay? Yeah, he screwed up massively. But why did the Phoenix Gem break? Because of his, his, he didn't have confidence in himself. He didn't focus, and he didn't have Barley's magic training. Didn't have his tutelage. There would be a lot of broken gems in the former mystical world. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Anyway, maybe uh, Phoenix gems were more plentiful, but now there's only a mm-hmm. few left. They could have just gone on eBay, right. Wreck It Ralph style, <laughs> and found one. Oh, there's one right there. Okay. Yeah, it's like crossing the boundary between the mundane and modern versus this like mystic, archaic mm-hmm. stuff. It, it 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 was really hard to connect for me. For example, they go to the Manticore's Tavern, which was supposed to be this amazing place where epic quests were given, and the Manticore was this like amazing warrior. She had a map to find the Phoenix Stone, but the 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 map the the kids it. Of course, it's like Chuck E. Cheese, basically, by the time they mm-hmm. get there. And the Manticore is like totally washed up and, and doesn't really do that stuff anymore. Uh, for what? how old is the Manticore? She's probably immortal. That's probably what Manticores do. Good question. That's my question. So it made it seem like it was, I don't know, it, it was unclear the timing between the old world to when electricity was discovered to the time of the movie. And I wasn't sure when she's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Uh, Too many lawsuits. They're too dangerous. I'm not in that business. Like, was it 10 years since she had literally been giving people quests? Or was it she never actually did quests for people. She just runs the shop. And it was her ancestors who were the Manticore quest givers. You know, I was like, what happened here? That's what I thought. Are you the progenitor or are you the same? It made it seem like she was the one who was giving quests at one point. So up until a decade ago, like quests were pretty common. Again, these are things that are not good for me in my head as I'm watching this movie because I'm confused. Barley explains that like, the coming of age ritual involved going on a noble quest. Mm-hmm. So they're probably there's probably a whole industry about it. It's probably like the quinceanera of this like magical <laughs> world, except for, except for like everyone. Quest for hire, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Manticore is really cool in the rest of the film, but for now she's lame. She's fantastic. Man, when he stood up to the Manticore, I was like, oh, okay, so now you got this list and you're going to unknowingly check off everything on your list. Uh, when's the driving sequence after this? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're ready. You'll never be ready. Merge. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But um, I, it's so weird because she has this like amazing map that points to the Phoenix Stone, but it's actually part of the kids menu now. Like it's based like, I don't know about that. She basically but any- drew it as the kids menu because she didn't yeah. want the real map. Which, yeah, was she basically. ever giving people the real map? Did she have multiple maps? Nah, she just saved it, I guess. So because he stands up to himself, uh, Manticore uh, kind of is like has like a what am I doing with my life moment, kind of like in the soul, the soul yes. trailer. What am I doing? <laughs> what have I become? Yeah. Instead of letting this be this positive epiphany, uh, she gets angry because of it, just like tears the whole place down, like talk about lawsuits. And uh, <laughs> but never, but never mind. You know, she's her bad a Manticore self again. I think that's great. And I'm really happy that we see more of her and that she kind of teams up with the mom afterwards and they have their own mm-hmm. like side quest literally of re- recovering her her curse breaker sword which was <laughs> kind of funny pawn shop getting it back from the yzma of pawn shop <laughs> <laughs> you really should have thought about that before you became peasants take him away <laughs> but anyway um i really liked manticore favorite character besides barley and I thought it was really funny how modern times had basically turned this epic place, epic hub for epic quests into a Chuck E. Cheese, basically. <laughs> Yay! 
with all the inconveniences of modern restaurants, which are late employees, broken karaoke machines, uh. annoying customers, <laughs> food getting cold. Oh, the bachelorette party was not having any of it. She is not living the life. This is not what she signed up for. But it pays the bills. I have PTSD right now. <laughs> oh, sure. Working in an entertainment venue. Yes. Living in one. <laughs> She's living it. And so we move on. And then there's this interesting thing. Do we take the path of peril versus the freeway? Uh, Ian wants to use the freeway. And then they use the freeway because Ian's like, no, it makes more sense to do this and i'm like it's faster i don't know where this is getting at this point but they need gas and so they get the bright idea of making the gas can bigger and making the gasoline inside of it bigger well that was another thing is that barley again knows he has the book with him the quest of your game and it's it's they're just like flipping through the pages and they can you know oh you can make it bigger oh now you can use a spell to do this um yeah and so, of course, I'm, we'll just make the gas can super giant and we'll mm -hmm. have a pool of gasoline inside and we'll be on our way. Yeah. It backfires. And then it backfires. And it's like, man, there's no better way to get the kids engaged in the in the slow point part of your film by turning a, a character small and shrinking their voice and like pitch shifting their voice. Like, don't act like it's not one of the cheapest tricks in the book. Oh but my it, gosh. it works. It worked. <laughs> this, it was at this moment where I said to myself, I don't like this movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> why, Chelsea? Why? specific moment where I'm like, I do not like this movie. Why? Was it the shrinky voice gag? It wasn't necessarily the shrinky voice gag. It was like the moment when he starts going into the actual gas station and that whole ruckus of bringing on the pixies and everything. I just felt like everything was just piled on top of each other without really feeling like it was cohesive. There was no, I don't know. It's, they started losing you, huh? Yeah, I was lost at this point. Completely gone. Oh, man. Okay, did it, did, you, did it ever get redeemed for you? Was there ever a part it where you were re-engaged? Okay, it good. It did. We'll get there. We'll get there. Which, yeah. I, as I said in, in my YouTube review, like that's really impressive. Okay. If you can take me from, I do not like this movie, to <laughs> like ugly crying, wow. <laughs> that's impressive. That's cute. And so they have a run-in with the Pixies, and in doing so, Ian is forced to learn how to drive because, of course... Uh, Barley is tiny and he cannot drive. The pixies get kind of blown into oblivion until we see them later when they're used for other gags. Uh, meanwhile, epic search for the epic bros on their epic quest. <laughs> so epic. So epic. And they have a run in with the cops, of course, because they go too fast or something like that. And uh, they have to use the disguise spell, which is kind of, uh, it's like half invisibility cloak, half polyjuice potion. Uh -huh. So... All these arbitrary <laughs> magical rules. Boy, isn't magic convenient? You can just say, but you have <laughs> right. to tell the truth. You have to stop lying. You have to not lie. And it's like, oh, I wonder how this will be used to advance the, the character arcs. And yeah, yeah exhibit and so, B, exhibit C of why I did not like it. <laughs> oh, because they kind of shoehorned in the like, but you can't lie. And he's like, he's he's not a screw up and then lie. They tacked on all these rules just for one yeah. one spell, but not the other. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, or yeah, they should have one where it's like, this this spell works, but only if you don't lack confidence in yourself, Ian. <laughs> it's like, okay, the way to hit us over the head with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's actually interesting. Here we are, we're probably halfway point in the movie, and we've barely talked about the dad. And the point legs, which I guess is kind of the point. Yes, dad, dad legs. Ooh, not. not dad that. legs? Yeah, there's um, an image. <laughs> Do not Google that. I just imagine hair everywhere. <laughs> but I mean, he's this essentially inanimate. Well, he's animate, that's for sure. But he can't talk. He can't really interact other than the toe taps, which is, oh, so cute. He remembers the sun because they tapped on his toe. Yep. You know, they try to bring in these little moments. But he's basically kind of a throwaway character because they throw a sweater vest over him and a puffer jacket and some glasses and a hat. And he he's just pushed into the background aimlessly. Yeah. But the whole point is the dad, the dad, the dad, the dad. Yeah. But we forget about the dad. We're not even talking about him. It's mm -hmm. If he if he was half in the nether world, like where is his other half? Is his other half in the soul cairn to quote Skyrim or? He's disembodied. Can he hear them? That's what I want to know. I could never no. tell throughout the whole film if he could, mm -hmm. could he hear them. Hear. So he can only touch them. So, but he just conveniently yeah. stumbles upon him while he's like stumbling around and stuff. Okay. That's why. Because he can't, he couldn't hear. The, the toe tap. Yeah. He couldn't hear the music, but he could hear, he could feel the vibrations and knew that was music. And so he was dancing. Yeah to that 
Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I get I get that. Some of that some of that stuff was kind of it's kind of difficult for me. And, and there's viewers out there who are probably hold, pulling their hair out listening to us right now and be like, "It's just a movie." Like, gosh, just just relax and enjoy it. Have some fun, man. <laughs> we wouldn't be the rotoscopers if we weren't talking about everything that you know that we feel about this movie. So sorry, not sorry. <laughs> it's very convenient. I think there's three, four basic spells that he's able to master. It's one of the easiest ones in the book, and literally the hardest one in the book. I guess four or five arcane lightning and then bringing someone back to the dead <laughs> requires l- no skill essentially just make sure your jewel doesn't break <laughs> so that was another thing it was like very convenient to become level 100 dungeon master <laughs> Ian could do what the genie could never do think about that for a second <laughs> wow think about that well, that was another thing that I kind of thought was a theme that we might have explored was that searching for the past and for trying to bring back the dead is never a good thing because right. it can never be achieved but it's achieved in this world I mean but that's okay they definitely made it work but it opens up a lot more questions you know and it's it's very serious stuff you know resurrection essentially mm-hmm. but we shall move on So this is where we're introduced to the two cops. So this creates quite a bit of drama and tension between the brothers because Ian, they kind of mention, yeah, he says a lie and they're slowly disapparating, I guess, in a way they're (laughs) returning back to their former selves. Disapparating is not the proper term, but you know what I mean? (laughs) And he, he says a lie. They say, wow, that kid, he's a screw up. And he says, no, he's not, you know, trying to defend him. And then whoop, another body part is gone. Ian is super ticked. They drive away, you know, the classic, like, I'm just going to get out of the car and huff and puff. I'm not going to talk to you. Get my soda. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they really try to talk it through. And this is where it comes out that Barley, I mean, Barley is true to Barley, which mm-hmm. I really do appreciate, like talking about being yourself. Oh, he's yeah. amazing. He will never stop being himself. Yes. Like he's on earlier in the, in the film, you know, when it's his birthday, it's like your 16th birthday. Like he just owns it and he talks mm-hmm. the medieval way and everything about quests. And he is like truly him and he is all about it. And he really doesn't care until this moment when his family is the one that essentially is throwing him aside and also kind of agreeing with what society feels about him that he's the screw up that you know no one cares about and that hurts his feelings because i like i thought i at least had my brother i don't have my dad anymore oh yeah that's highly alienating yeah it's actually interesting also that the dad was super into these mystical magical arts and so is barley and the mom didn't notice yeah they didn't know like well yeah first off it doesn't seem like the mom knew that the dad was into this it was like a secret because she's like whoa he was a wizard where do you get this <laughs> um, so it wasn't it wasn't even like barley saw the dad doing this and then as a result it, that's his way of holding on to the dad that would have been i think cooler you know like i'm into this because this is my way of holding on to the one thing that dad had it's just like oh dad was into it i was into it um i think that would have been a, a stronger connection between the dad and barley yeah I think so, too. And then Ian's the one who's like, oh, that's the stuff they're into, but I'm not into it. Um, and then he kind of falls into it. And and also thing that we didn't really see any tension between Barley being really upset about not having the magic, because you would think if this is your whole life and you discover you don't have the gift, that would be something you'd have to come to grips with. Right. But yeah. he just accepts it and we move on. Yeah. So. So can we talk about how the. uh the bottomless pit segment was like, I was watching, I was like, man, this is such a like siblings story. Like, of course the rope would come off of Ian and like Barley, like, oh, do I tell him? Do I not? Okay. I can't, <laughs> right. can't let him know. Like, okay. Just like, I tell have him. you ever had a moment with one of your siblings? I was like, man, we could have died back there. It's <laughs> <was> like, yeah, <laughs> huh. but we didn't. We're fine. Aren't we? <laughs> That's what think. I was yep. thinking. Most of those incidents revolved around firecrackers in Mexico. Oh, wow. That'll be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. So this is one of those moments. And I like this. This is one of the best parts of the film because I think it's it's really exciting. They're working together. They've gotten over their differences. We kind of skipped over the fact that Barley feels really betrayed because, yes, I know everything, but you're still not listening to me and you're not taking my my advice. You don't have any faith in him. I say path of peril. Like, I I know these games in and out. Trust me. And so finally they do and they get where they need to go. And then this is very much Indiana Jones with the, the leap of faith or the yes, that's right. trust bridge, as mm-hmm. it's called in this film. And it's fun and it's exciting. And you see Ian getting more confident with himself. You know, he's definitely proven to master magic pretty well at this point and but he's still stressed about 
not meeting his dad because at the very beginning of the film it's very clearly established that he's obsessed with his dad he has that tape that he listens to over and over and over again and he just has pictures of his dad so this is a really 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 big deal so you know they're having fun but at the same time clocks are ticking we gotta go but i loved it they were having fun and then the rope falls off and guys i wouldn't have told them either okay just keep yeah. going just go yeah i would have had to suppress a oh sh-. <laughs> but like <laughs> i would have had to keep that to myself but like yeah definitely that was like a oh boy <laughs> but anyway Great. is it really bottomless i don't know he would have died but it was i don't know if it's bottomless <laughs> i would have to hmm do some research there's on really that. only one spell that would have gotten him across it's this bridge was there not a levitation spell could you not have made a magical whip to pull that thing down yeah why can't you just float yeah what's the caveat to the float spell that would not let that oh right because oh, it, it has, only has a certain range the beam yeah he yeah. says it only has like a 15 yeah, yeah. foot radius it's like oh, okay more convenient magic rules i yes. guess anyway Accio Raven's point <laughs> boy if they could Accio things from like several miles away in Harry Potter I don't know Disney hasn't bought Warner Brothers yet so let's not even get into that but it's coming um, <laughs> and, and then the action really ramps up because the cops are after them mm-hmm. again and they actually break yeah. the law pretty egregiously like if this was Grand Theft Auto they'd be at a three out of five star you know, wanted level. And so, yeah. yeah, So we're ready for the cops. We're creating uh roadblocks. Oh, pour one out for Guinevere's epic sacrifice. <laughs> oh, Guinevere. She was a good steed. Uh, where the tire goes out and she starts galloping. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> oh man. And it happens. That was the character I cared most about. Arcane lightning. That's right. Arcane <laughs> lightning. And, oh, he, he didn't get it to work, so that's why... Man, yeah. Barley... This is why Barley is the best character in the film. And you're wondering, like, okay, what's in it for Barley for this whole film? But we will find out by the end. But anyway, there's this weird thing where they're going through, like, a gauntlet, and the gelatinous cube finally shows up, and, like, uh, Ian pretty much has to use almost all of his spells to, like, get through it, and they finally make it out, and then they, they uncover the epic the epic doorway to their destination and it's just right in front of the school. Right. And then everything mm-hmm. kind of fall comes crashing down again. You are right back where you started. The same relic that earlier in the film, Barley was trying to save. This is this part of the film went from, I kind of had the same journey, emotional journey as Chelsea, where as soon as they showed up back at the school, I was like, Oh, more of this. Yeah. And I was just like, when is this going to end? And then the way it unfolds afterwards actually kind of got me a little teared up the way like mm-hmm. it because it is just so sweet and so thoughtful how it all works so ian is so ticked off at barley that he pretty much banishes barley and says i don't want to spend time with you anymore you don't get to spend time with dad because you squandered that time which is really cruel of ian that is really- yeah and he takes legs over to this cliff to uh to spend what little time he has with him when i when i hear legs i just think of legs from toy story <laughs> that should be a pairing uh, you know, the freaking fishing pole, fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> that's right someone make that fan art please I ship them. Legs. You're with Tucky. Legs and legs. <laughs> he takes legs over to the side to spend what time he has left without talking, without really hearing each other. And you can tell that legs is sad because Barley is not there. Meanwhile, Barley is desperately trying to find the last Phoenix stone and he finds it. But meanwhile, while he's going on this, Ian is looking at his uh, checklist and he's he slowly, slowly discovers that everything he wanted to do with his dad he was had already done with barley and he starts realizing that yeah he never met his dad but his dad's best qualities rubbed off on barley who basically raised him who was in a way his father figure because ian didn't have one and that's really really sweet when ian starts to realize like i've made a terrible mistake (laughs) in the words of job from (laughs) development um but anyway not to ruin the mood but he he comes to realize that like the journey that he went on actually transformed him and actually helped him become the man that his dad probably wanted him to be and it's because his dad's qualities um were transferred to barley who is actually the best freaking character in this film like he's basically like besides being a little kind of a slob and not paying for as many traffic violations which is bad <laughs> yeah he's not a model citizen model citizen zero discipline to quote van halen and but he realizes that maybe he's okay but maybe barley's not okay and he and he realized that maybe barley needs to meet dad and 
say goodbye to him properly one last time more than Ian needed to see dad in the first place. And man, I thought that that's the part where it kind of hit me. I was like, mm-hmm. man, way to go Pixar. Like this is such a mature, interesting, thoughtful little development at the end that really drives home some important truths about family that like like families are in it together and even though you have parts missing and this is personal for me because my dad passed away probably uh six years ago now or um five or six years ago now and i there are times when i really miss him but there are also times when and this is something that like my mom brings up a lot and that my wife brings up a lot is that some of my dad's best qualities happen to rub off on me and that those are things that i can Mm -hmm. fall back on and touch upon in my moments when I really wish that he was next to me, you know, and I wish I could bring him back even just for one day. And for someone who went through that experience, that was a really big deal for me. And I'll, and at that point I was like, Oh, here they come. Floodgates <laughs> are open now. Yeah. Release, release the river. Like it's, <laughs> it's happening. And um, so it was a really uh, positive emotional experience for me. Ian never gets to see his dad face to face, but I think what he got was something more valuable than that, which is cheesy, but is true. We get kind of two different sacrifices here, and Barley's is a very, in the grand scheme of things, not that important. It's the most important thing in his life uh, material, which is the van, and he sacrifices it, but Ian sacrifices the one thing that he's wanted his entire life, his number one goal for his brother, which up until 24 hours ago, he really thought was a screw-up, but um, I like that he realizes that Barley has unfinished business, where I just don't have any business. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have, I have aspirations. I would like to meet this guy, but I never really got to meet him. And so it's so much more important for Barley to close that chapter. So that way we can move on together. And I think again, I, when people talk about this film and as we've been talking about it, that it really does save the day, this, this scene right here, it all, it has a, a really rocky way of getting there, but it gets there and it works and it's really good. Yeah, well, the moment that it started coming back for me that I was like, okay, I am emotionally invested again when I was completely out before was when they're on their the river of the cheese puff boat. Yeah, <laughs> on their cheese puff boat where that's where Barley like mentioned, oh yeah, I do have one other memory, but it's one that I don't like to talk about. Yes, and that that was a very profound moment in an otherwise yeah. very forgetful sequence. I'm sorry. <laughs> High action, yes. low you interest right for over Mason. That, but that's okay. Um, did you guys kind of exp- kind of see this coming? Because Ian has this checklist that he's. I didn't see that he was going to give up and sacrifice for Barley, but I kind of saw that they were checking off the things on his list because he was scratching them off as yeah. they ran out of time. But I was looking at the list, thinking, "But you're doing that. You're going on a walk with your dad." you're learning yeah. how to drive like i kind of could see where this was going with yeah. hey you know i i did it with my dad and my brother but it really was the brother so i thought you know if anyone else was kind of picking up on that no i that's what i got too yeah. at that point cuz i was like okay now we're bringing it back to like things that actually matter in life as opposed to let's go on this quest to find the phoenix stone of what <laughs> um so that's where it it brought me back in and yeah uh, starting about, you know, at the, at the cliff, you know, that's where start, things start, started to get ugly crying in there. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh we haven't even talked about the dragon, which I thought oh. was actually kind of oh lame. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they needed a- some sort of device to like separate everybody and bring everything together. But like the, the dragon had no emotional stake in what was happening. It was just like yeah. a mild inconvenience. Like any <laughs> video game. Right. Yeah. I was, oh, yeah. What is it? Dragons? But anyway, the dragon got Fusro-dawed right out of the sky. And uh, I, I, I liked seeing the manticore and I guess the mom, but more the manticore, like in action, like doing her thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that was fun, but it just, I don't know, didn't emotionally resonate with me yeah it's it's just interesting how another unanswered question it seems that years of evolution has made these creatures forget how to fly as a whole as a society like manticores don't fly pixies don't fly even the freaking mm-hmm. al- <laughs> the alicorns that are like the the rubbish eating raccoons of the land they don't even fly <laughs> they like kind of stutter along like they are losing their ability real fast but um the, both the pixies and the manticore are able to overcome these evolutions quite quickly like oh just like riding a bike just you gotta believe enough and i don't love that you know because again i wasn't quite sure how many eons or years or decades are we removed from magic but 
it seems like, oh, in, in a magical day, all of these things are overcome. But I love the Manticore because I liked that we had this side quest and the side quest, they actually do the majority of the heavy lifting as far as defeating the dragon, slaying the dragon, if you will. But anyway, the dragon really had no emotional resonance in me. Everything else that was happening was just, man, it was it was good. The only thing I liked was the face on top of the, the high school mascot oh, that was dragon. Cute. That was, that's, that was that, a fun that, that was a fun irony. I like that. It was that. a fun little gag. Yeah, that's about all you get out of it though. <laughs> but they still need Ian to deliver the final blow with the curse crusher. Yeah, mm-hmm. he pulls out all the stops and he becomes full blown whiz and uh he's just <laughs> he's just lays waste to that dragon. Like you do. And and everything kinda gets resolved after that. Like it's it's good. Everything's good at the end, I suppose. And uh, Guinevere too, y'all. Guinevere like Guinevere the second. Typical Disney fashion, nobody stays dead for long. Right. <laughs> Guinevere the second is even cooler. These eternal sacrifices are not really eternal. And then I knew that they were gonna go back to the whole centaurs used to used to uh, gallop at seventy miles per hour. And it's like, yeah, well, I have a car now. And then at the end, he is super mane man. He, uh, he get, takes that, he he releases his luxurious mane, and he rides off into sunset. Very, very cool. <laughs> oh, I forgot that he released the ponytail. <laughs> Loved it. And um, everything kind of works out. And uh, I didn't stick around for like a post-credit scene. I'm assuming there was none. We stuck around. We there is none. Yeah. There is none. It was cool. I really have some peers from university who worked on it. So good on them. Like very, Yay. very nice. You know, I don't know. Pixar's pretty much got the whole like rendering technology down by now. There's really not much more you can say. No, there's nothing you can say about like the characters or how much animation has improved because it's, they found like a really happy, good place that looks good. You know, we'll talk about Toy Story 4 mm-hmm. at some point, how photo real some of those backgrounds were. But yeah, yeah. we don't even talk about the animation because it's just very, very good. And it's not leaps and bounds improved. It's just great. Yeah. Pretty typical Pixar. Very, very excellent. Now we're talking about how it's just, just, just a lot of the same, to be honest. But, you know, there's there's technical directors at Pixar who are probably pulling their hair out being like, are you kidding? We like solved all these technical problems that you don't even <laughs> don't even realize we did. The gelatinous cube. The gelatinous cube was such a technical marvel. We will be giving five talks on it at SIGGRAPH this year. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway... Props to the technical guys and gals uh, at Pixar and at these studios that make all these miraculous visual effects and animated films happen. And for us, it's just so nonchalant, just something we just like passively consume. But for them, it's like their full time job. Mm -hmm. So nothing but respect for them. Isn't that the goal to make it a non thing so that that doesn't take you out of the story? No uncanny valley here. So this kind of brings me into one thing. So I saw the preview for Connected recently, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it because it looks so different from other animated films. You know, we've seen Minions for so long. We know what they look like. We knew what we know what characters from that universe look like. We've been in, involved in Pixar for so long that you know they have a style. Like let's just be mm-hmm. realistic. But uh, I'm always happy to see uh, cutting edge visual technology and. Um, you know, in computer graphics being utilized for maybe something that looks like it could have existed hand-drawn 20 years ago, but it's also yeah. CG. Like, they did that with the Peanuts movie. They did that with Hotel Transyl- Transylvania to some extent. Yeah. Although they're coming out with a fourth one, and I don't think I have the patience for that franchise anymore. But uh, Connected looked really cool because because the animation kind of looked like Bob's Burgers characters, but if they were animated in CG. And uh, I was I was pretty dang impressed with that and so uh, the medium is is being pushed forward it's just being pushed out also into and expanding its boundaries into different visual styles and i think that's really cool i can't say the same about onward it was very kind of predictable and very established in its look and feel but it was still a good film in the end i still enjoyed it there's a lot of things that i got out of this that i was like this I was definitely in my own little world going into this, I think, because I had been listening to a lot of different podcasts about like history and uh, religious stuff as well. So like when I saw this, I really saw like a, on, on the spiritual level, because there's a as a practicing Christian, I have my beliefs that it's like, OK, miracles happen, but do I expect them? And I feel like that was kind of like the the situation in this they lived in a world where there's a lot more available to them than they are letting happen because they are focusing on the science and as opposed to like focusing on the other side the metaphysical side i guess well that's interesting so there was a lot of that that was going through my head 
executing the magic requires a lot of faith i suppose and like trust right. and all that like there's all these like you know abstract concepts associated with the spell so wow that, that's cool i didn't really think of that connection you know that was one thing that left me thinking a little bit more like because you look at the world that you and i live in and and there's a lot of things that i'm like yay i really love indoor plumbing it really was big <laughs> you look at other times in history where people definitely had miraculous things happen and they expected them more than I would say that we expect them, or at least I expect them. Because there's a lot of things that I'm like, am I counting on these miracles type things to happen? Am I doing that? Or am I just relying on the light bulb to turn on and turn off and just stay simple and not as big as what it could be? These are just my thoughts. So we are wrapping up. Any last thoughts about themes or characters or funny quotes, things that you love that we didn't talk about? You'll never be ready. Merge. <laughs> I'm going to say that every time I'm driving. Oh, it's for onward. Wait, I shifted an O for onward. <laughs> All right, guys, stay tuned. We are going to be right back and you're going to hear what we rate it. All right, so let's rate this thing. So my rating would be probably three and a half, but closer to a four stars. I enjoyed it. Eh, I'll say four stars. Why, why am I being a grumpus for? Um, the ending <laughs> kind of tied it all together for me, and uh, I thought it was really sweet and very thoughtful and very different from stuff that I see in, in, in a lot of animated films. So I will go ahead and give it four stars. From Mason, four stars. Okay, so I'm going to give this film three and a half stars. My reviews on YouTube, I gave it three, but kind of talking through it and having more time with it, I have I've gone up a level and I'm giving it three and a half. That doesn't mean that it's a horrible film. It was a good film and I enjoyed the ride, but it was just kind of shaky getting there. The middle felt really formulaic and I understand that's literally the point. Like it's supposed to be a quest like a Dungeons and Dragons style game. However, it just was kind of awkward and clunky. The magic and the world building really didn't all come together and wasn't super believable for me. But the man, those ending scenes with Ian and his sacrifice and the waterworks that came really, really made up for the journey, I guess. The ending was worth it and I really liked it, but it just wasn't my favorite film that I've seen so far. But okay, for me, when I say something is at a one, it means I do not like this film. At a two, it's more of a like, I am not a fan. It's not my thing. Two and a half is meh. I don't really care either way. Um, three, it's like, it's good. Four, it's like, oh, it's good. And then five, it's like, it's so good. Okay. Those are my, my levels, right? Okay. Write that down, everyone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Take notes. Cause there's a quiz after. Um, I would say that this is at a three level for me. It got out of the, of the woods of being at the one. Cause it did. It started out as like maybe in, in the two and a half to three. Cause you know, you start out at middle ground. It went down to one and then it went back up like it pushed it up enough to where i'm like this is that this is a good film uh it's not so good but it's a good one so i'm at three all right we want to hear what you rate it so be sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash 175 let us know your rating in those comments also on instagram when we post about this be sure to let us know your feelings on onward but some voicemails came in so cute Hey, Rotoscopers, this is Jack calling from ATL. I'm so happy you guys are back in doing the podcast. And I want to say I really enjoy your Frozen reviews. I was so relieved when you guys said you were kind of confused by elements of the movie because I thought I was going insane being the only one. Does anyone not hear that I was confused by this children's Disney movie? But hey, whatever. It was still a lot of fun. Anyway, guys, I'm happy to hear what you guys will do next. And take care until then. Bye. Hey, Jack, thank you so much for sending that voicemail. And don't worry, don't be ashamed for feeling confused about Frozen 2. We weren't the only ones. Hey, Rotoscopers, this is Alex from Surrey, BC. I uh, just wanted to say uh, congratulations on getting the podcast up and running again. I uh, can't wait to hear the new episodes. Um, it's an awesome experience every time I listen to it. So I uh, just wanted to send a shout out and say hi to you guys and Thank you for all the great work that you guys do. 
Thanks. Bye. Hey, Alex. Thank you so much for sending that voicemail. We are super pumped to be back. And it's kind words like that. That is really encouraging. We have some pretty cool things planned in the future. We're really excited to bring back our patron program. And we were excited to do Milan, but uh, that's been postponed. But stay tuned. We have some fun things coming up. If you want to leave your own voicemails, you can head on over to rotoscopers.com slash voicemails. Or you can call us at one four zero six six four six six five seven five. We'd love to hear from you, cause you know we're back. We're back. You can never come back. <laughs> yeah, we did, we did. Okay, we got the magic watch. <laughs> All right, guys. So, of course, you know the drill. Tweet about the show using hashtag animation addicts. And when you are on Instagram, if you take a screenshot of your phone, your listening device, just whatever, and tag us at Rotoscopers and hashtag animation addicts, let us know that you are listening and loving the episodes. And we will be sure to reshare on our Instagram. Now, a few things. So again, some more housekeeping. Since we are back, it's really, really important that you subscribe to the show. If you maybe were a subscriber and you unsubscribed, now would be a good time to do that, okay? Just do it right now. The technology nowadays, you don't need magic to do that. You can just click a button and ding, you're subscribed. So go to rotoscopers.com slash iTunes if you want to subscribe directly in iTunes. And speaking of iTunes and any podcast platform, we would really appreciate it if you left us a review. So now that there are so many podcast listeners out there, we would appreciate appreciate it if you would just leave us a review you don't necessarily have to write a full-blown review you, it's very easy you go to your podcast and you click the star button and we would prefer a five but we like honest reviews about the show and that's one thing that really helps with the algorithm to whether our show will be shown to other people so yeah now that we are back if you've been a listener and you are excited that we are back just give us a review we appreciate it you can actually update your reviews too so even if you've already done a review you can update it yeah, if you gave us a four and <laughs> we've grown on you, like how Onward has grown on me over the past two weeks, you can update it and give us a five. We'd love it. So I wanted to announce that we actually are going to be doing a contest since we are coming back. We're doing a giveaway. If you leave us a review and screenshot and send it to us, you will be entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card. Ooh. Full details are on our Instagram at the time when this goes live. There's a contest post or a giveaway post. You can go there and that has all the details on how to enter. There's specific things that you need to do, but go there and be sure to leave the review because you want to win that. Who doesn't love free Amazon money? I, I like it. <laughs> I want it. Can I enter? Actually, um, I don't think you can, but you can leave a review if you haven't already. <laughs> and of course, we have our Patreon program, which is a way that you can support the show and get extra perks. So be sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash patron, because again, if you miss the show and you're like, man, you're going back in the old archives and you're, you're listening to our Robin Hood episode and like episode one again, because you just missed the good old days. It's a Robin Hood episode. It's so good. If you have not listened to the Robin Such Hood episode. Such chaos. It's amazing. <laughs> Um, Man, it's like we were on mushrooms that whole time. We were like on laughing gas the whole time. It's true. It's true. What episode was that? Was it like 50, 40? Go to rotoscopers.com slash 40. If you want to listen to the good old days, our Robin Hood episode, which is pretty darn amazing. Criminently. If you're sick of listening to the back catalog because you've listened to it maybe 20, 30 times at this point, consider being a patron so we don't go away again. Okay. Let's not let this happen again. Let's not let the magic be lost. <laughs> that was great. That was a great rally. That was a great call to action, Morgan. Awesome. So be sure to go to rotoscopers.com slash patron where you can find out how to become a patron and all the amazing goodies that you get there. Our next episode is going to be Lady and the Tramp. Can you believe there are still movies that we haven't done? Yes. We've never done Lady and the Tramp out of all our years? No, we've never done it. Oh, man. That's next. If you want to find us at our individual locations, Morgan Stradling is on all of the things at Morgan Stradling. I, Chelsea Robson, am on all of the things at Chelsea Robson. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, I wanted to mention that I write custom songs for people. So for people who... Yes, this is very exciting. This is kind of a newer thing for me over the last uh, couple of months. I started writing custom songs for to help people celebrate like proposals weddings anniversaries birthdays mother's day is coming up i actually write a full song for you based on different answers that you give me and it's awesome so for all the rotoscopers listeners i actually am giving a 25 percent discount on all of my song packages which is a huge discount so if you want more information go to songs by chelsea.com can i get you to write a song about how awesome i am of course you can he meant for free no for the 20, <laughs> 25 percent discount still yeah. active i listen yeah. to the rotoscopers yes you are okay. more than welcome to mason all right i'll have my people call your people <laughs> you can find me at uh mason at rotoscopers.com <laughs> i think i think That's those it. are still active yeah i've kind of shied away from a lot of social media but i do have um a few years of experience in the animation industry and um Every now and then I get I get asked about like, hey, uh, where do I start? Like, what are some good books to read? What are some good resources? So um, if you ever need advice or anything like that, I, I, I was involved in that for and, and am still involved in that in the, in the industry. So shoot Mason at rotoscopers.com if you ever want to chat. Woo. All right, guys, that was our review of Onward. And until next time, we, we are, are the, the Rotoscopers. rotoscopers. Oh, this isn't Disney. Pardon me. Ah, they all mix together. They are. They're all the one. <laughs> yes. They should have a second version of this film where uh, you're in the theater and every time something magical happens, you can hear Count Frollo go, sorcery. <laughs> That's what I want. Yes. Make it happen, Pixar. Again, like I said, the beginning of this had so much potential. It had this amazing premise of this magical world that's now modernized it's basically you know suburban new mushroomton and these magical creatures sorry just cut 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 i'm just gonna start all over sorry i'm the worst i'm really rusty new mushroomton um, man uh, that that is the dead giveaway right there everyone in this film is on mushrooms and just imagining this. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dead giveaway uh, <laughs> hey i was right about barley was i not mm-hmm.